Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. Where the only question is Does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! Welcome back, gentlemen. Ooh, happy Halloween. Yeah, all Hallows Eve. Nice. What's your costume, JB? Or just a haircut? <laughs> okay. Oh. Again, again, once again, cracking audio medium banter. Oh, I think yeah, but, people would get it. Look, Rob, <laughs> look, Rob and I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're... what this podcast is for. <laughs> this is it. If you're not doing it for your own entertainment, goodness me. The thing goodness is, me. I've had this haircut for a month now. Yeah, but the joke doesn't and work all, if I do that. We're all still amazed. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very nice. It's actually looking. It's looking very, uh, very sharp. JB, now it's growing out of touch. You've got a very. Uh, you've got a. Um, what's the look I'd go for? Um, up and coming. Um, up and coming. Um, man who means business, Aldrin. What do you reckon? Sure, whatever I was going to say wouldn't have been broadcastable, so it's fine. Oh, nice, nice. Save, save me <laughs> a job editing. This is no, the most how-do-you-do-fellow-kids opening I think Rob has ever put together. Look, it's I sharp, people right? Wanted to, people wanted to know, are we a real friendship group? We 100% are, and all we do is mock each other all the time. So um, that's how it goes. Yeah, feel free to join our WhatsApp, everybody, if you want the details. Clubdubpodcast at mail.com. Yeah, everyone, everyone can come on in. Yeah, absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. Um, this is normally the point where JB goes, other messaging services are available, which kind of suggests we're like on the BBC or something when we're, we're absolutely not. We're on a commercial entity and can, um, well, if anyone wants to pay us to mention their product, that would be lovely. In fact, we should really do more with this. I mean, particularly now you've got that kind of male model look, JB. I'm also thinking that if it was kind of clothing based, you could maybe model it for us. You know, maybe if... I don't know, jeans manufacturers, high street retailers of, of clothing or fashion, you know, if they're looking for a new outlet for their wares, if they're looking to reach a new audience, then um, I don't know. I think there's, um, you know, only one safe bet, really, the the Club Dub football podcast. I, I don't know. I don't know. And then, Aldrin, you could do the kids' sizes. Yeah. I mean, JB and you can do big and taller. <laughs> And I'll do the kids. We're all fine. I'm, I'm getting skinnier by the week. I'm getting skinnier by the week, although I've just demolished a sausage sandwich. But otherwise, otherwise we're fine. Uh, Move yeah, over, but... Carl oh. Banks. The Club Dub Football Podcast wears is going to be the uh, advertising, the football advertising slogan for 2023 and beyond. Well, in a bit of odd trivia, if Carl Banks was the face of Pony for American listeners, of course, the famous New York giant who only wears Pony, do you know who was the UK's face of Pony? Come on, you can get this. There's, there's two of them. Not Anton Deck, is it? That's immediately what I'm Deck. into. Not Anton Deck. Come on, you've no got idea. this. The Neville's. The Neville's, the Neville's is the brothers, correct geez. answer. Wowzers. The Neville's is absolutely the correct answer. Yes, Gary, Gary and Phil were the face of Pony. There you Excellent. go. Look at that. Right. Again, not great for an audio medium, but just sharing the image there for all of you guys. Already so so there you go. 
It's nice, isn't it? After a bit of jovial banter, um, I'm now going to throw over to you guys and tell me your thoughts on week eight. And I almost feel like, I don't know, should we be rating the weeks out of 10 now? Now we've got a kind of gauge and a barometer for for what this season can throw at us. I, I think if that were the case, this feels like a 7-8. Enough highlights, but also some processional elements to it where, you know, ultimately good teams are good teams and they can occasionally make bad teams look very, very bad indeed. But um, but yeah, Aldrin, week eight's in the books. Standout thoughts for you, please. Well, last week I talked about um, National High End Celebration Day on the Sunday. I guess this week for me, it felt more like a wide receiver week. Uh, I think that some of the very elite receivers showed just how very elite they are. Um, for me, I thought Mike Evans made a heck of a catch for a touchdown in the Bucks game. And AJ Brown is a very, very bad man because there is nobody that can cover that dude. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, just the highlights of that were monumental. Uh, just utterly dominating when your team needs you. I think that's the real thing for for me. You know, they weren't solid in the game. They weren't cruising. And all of a sudden, two, I mean, I'm calling out two particular, but two massive catches in traffic, really important. The touchdown grab was phenomenal from AJ Brown. Um, and I guess the other one to call out is welcome back to the NFL, DeAndre Hopkins. Because D-Hop had a day. Oh, and it's massive. almost like when you have a, a quarterback with a decent arm that looks downfield, you can maximise the talents of an all-pro future Hall of Fame wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. Um, the other side for me is uh, not welcoming him, but asking where he is. Poor old Devontae Adams, stuck at the Raiders. Um for fans of NFL fantasy football, um, uh, um, podcast listener Glenn and I were head to head this week, and he said, "Oh, we, you know, we are, we're going into the final day." And he had Josh Jacobs, and I had Devontae Adams, and he said, "Oh, you you could do it." And I said, "No, no, I don't think so." And lo and behold, a glorious eleven yards. Um, did not seal the deal for me in the week. I mean, I think the decline is so massive. It, it does. It begs the question, doesn't it, that whether the old trade away of Derek Carr, you know, Devontae Adams, good old college and high school buddy, um, and bringing in Jimmy G, who's been massively underwhelming, to say the least, is... Yeah. yeah, it's not ending well for Devontae Adams' fortunes. And I guess for, for those of you that listen, today is the trade deadline. And I, I guess as the night goes on, we may see moves. Devontae Adams, for me, feels like somebody that might want well out of um, Raider Nation at the minute, I think. So be interesting. But yeah, for me, wide receiver week, I thought some absolutely standout performances from the very, very elite receivers, which is always nice to see. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's interesting. We're recording as the the trade deadline is is fast approaching, so there could be something from this episode that we maybe don't touch on. But you wonder how much, particularly the DeAndre Hopkins performance on Sunday, you wonder whether he might have been 
on the trade block. And then all of a sudden you've got Will Levis obviously having a great game. I mean, it had a little bit of the Nick Foles about it for me. There was a lot of kind of long ball contested catch type throws, but nevertheless, you know, he absolutely looked like somebody who invigorated that offense. I think he got, was it four touchdowns on Sunday and Ryan Tannehill only uh-huh. had something like two for the season. So, I mean, he's, he's absolutely invigorated that, that offense. And in that division, you know, yes, the, the Jags are, are absolutely, absolutely, um, bang in form at the moment but do you look at that and think you know what we could you know could be a challenger could be a playoff team if what we saw on Sunday ends up being repeated so yeah the the Titans are a, are an interesting one conversely I don't know is it just me that feels like the Raiders are maybe what are we 12 weeks from a complete blow it up and start again in Vegas I mean if if people don't get traded it feels like a matter of time before they they start to move pieces around. But um, if, if Josh McDaniels makes it twelve weeks to the end of the season, I I don't know how you can you can justify that as Raiders ownership because there's it's some teams currently are bad, and unfortunately, I will include my Steelers and your Cardinals role oh, in that kind of conversation. Yeah. But it is not through lack of trying. It's not through lack of effort. The teams are still playing and doing their absolute best. The Raiders, I would put my 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 pin in as the worst team in the league. Not from a not specifically from like a results point of view, but just from an everything point of view. The effort isn't there, with the exception of Max Crosby, who honestly, with how bad the Raiders are doing, I'm not surprised we're he- we're not hearing more about teams inquiring about him. Um, mm. But you said, like, Devon, like you said, Devontae Adams disappeared in a week where, I mean, in a week where Julio Jones caught a touchdown, Devontae Adams did nothing. Yeah. And just how, make that make sense. Well, it, it it's one of those weird things where where you just touched on it, JB. You know, we're, we're following teams who are having real down years, the Cardinals for a, a whole host of, of reasons. But there are bad teams who win games every week. You know, we've seen the Bears win games. We've seen the Broncos win games. We've actually seen a number of teams that we maybe expected to be bad not really look that bad at all. The Colts, I suppose, Aldrin, from your perspective, we just talked about the likes of the Titans, even the Falcons. So, I mean, the, the thing is, you know, you look at the Raiders and you think, has there been progress? You then look at, you know, the stories online and you you hear all the mumbles. I mean, I'm not sure he goes before the end of the season, but I do think it's just not, you know, the whole Josh experiment now for a number of teams. I mean, the Raiders and, well, the Broncos, wasn't it, as head coach? These are just not experiences that have gone well for those franchises. And... um you, in a way, I'd say you'd wonder what would happen to his stock. But then a lot of coordinators or a lot of former head coaches tend to find their way back to New England as coordinators, don't they? So I'm sure the, the boys club that is the NFL coaching tree will keep him in work somewhere. But yeah, a massive disappointment in a new territory that is such an opportunity. You know, if you've got a, a team that's fun to watch in Vegas, I mean, that just feels like a match made in heaven. Um, but at the moment, yeah, the the silver and black, not not really doing it. So, um, if those are our takeaways from uh, a joyous 
uh, week eight. Um, I have got two things to do before we can roll into really breaking down the action as we saw it. So, firstly, I have got my recap of the scores. And secondly, inspired by your comment, Aldrin, I have a top NFL trivia question based on NFL wide receivers. So watch this space for that. But... Before we go any further, let me recap week eight of 18. Guys, isn't that a wonderful number? Still 10 weeks of NFL action to go before we even hit the playoffs. So with week eight, as I always start with, you've got to go back the best part of a week. And it was a get right game for the Buffalo Bills. They weren't flashy. They weren't dominant, but they had more than enough to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 24 to 18. The Giants and the Jets is a game I think we'll probably roll around to in the next half an hour or so. Statistically, by many measures, the worst game in the history of football. And somehow, the Giants managed to lose it 10 points to 13 against New York's team in green. The Steelers, well, they have a great defense, but it's the other side of the ball that seems to be causing them problems. They put up only 10 points as they lost 2010 to the Jaguars. And the Commanders, who've been really ropey in recent weeks, seem to bring out their best when Philadelphia are on the opposite side of the field. But this time, not enough for the Philadelphia Eagles, winning a great game, 38 points to 31. The Cowboys were an early season contender, then maybe our pick for the pretender in the league. I don't know what we think when they run out 43 to 20 winners over what I think is a very good football team in the LA Rams. The Green Bay Packers, well, they're right there with the Vegas Raiders amongst the NFL basement dwellers. They lost 24 points to 10 against the Minnesota Vikings, but we're going to talk a little bit about the Vikings and what they do in the post-Kirk Cousins era this season. The Titans have been competitive and lost a lot of close games, but as we've said this weekend, DeAndre Hopkins changed that script with Tennessee winning 28-23 against the Atlanta Falcons. The Miami Dolphins, as up and down as they've been, are definitely on the up again. 31-17, they beat the New England Patriots. And the Colts, well, frisky, performing well in patches. But maybe a little bit of a disappointment considering what they've done in previous weeks to lose 38 points to 27 against the New Orleans Saints. The Panthers needed a win as much as any other team in the league and got there first in the battle of the 1-2 and two overall picks, winning 15-13 over the Houston Texans. The Seattle Seahawks, well, they're putting together a pretty solid season. And as the 49ers falter, maybe it'll be Seattle who end up winning the divisional championship in the West. One to discuss, maybe. 24-20 over the Cleveland Browns, their result from the weekend. And the 49ers, who looked impervious, now just look, well, a mess. 31-17 against the Cincinnati Bengals team that have maybe turned the corner and are beginning to find their stride. The Broncos went into the weekend against the Chiefs with no chance, surely. Well, Russell Wilson and co. had other ideas. 24-9 over Kansas City in the end. And the Cardinals prove that you can be competitive, but still uncompetitive at the same time. Down for down, they're playing tough football, but had nothing like enough to beat the Ravens. Baltimore winning 31-24. The Chargers... Well, they still have a few questions to answer, but Justin Herbert put together some of his best football of the year in patches to help that team beat the Bears, 30-13. And then yesterday, we answered the question that nobody was asking. Turns out the Lions are better than the Raiders, 26-14, the score for Monday Night Football. 
So before we get in and pick out the highlights of that slate, um, a few bits of any other business. And of course, I've got no Google all noodle. So talking about wide receivers in the NFL making an impact, I want to take you back to 1945 and career-long Don Hudson, career-long Green Bay Packer, set the record amongst wide receivers for the most points scored in a single quarter. So Don Hudson, Green Bay Packer, 1945, the most points scored in a single quarter. And all I want you to do, gentlemen, is tell me how many points he scored. So Donald Montgomery Hudson, 1945, just how many points did he score? Now, considering this is in an era where throwing the ball was far rarer than it would be today, I think this has still got a pretty good chance of being a record that stands through our lifetime, if not beyond. But there you go. There's your no Google all noodle. I'll give you the answer at the end of our fair pod. So now we've done that. Um, we, Kate Aldrin, pick your game of the week and tell us what stood out for you. The game of the week for me, there was a few actually, and like you mentioned, I mean, the Giants-Jets was a a game of the week for very different reasons than the game I'm actually going to pick, but I mean, the game I'm going to pick is the Rams-Cowboys, because that was, I mean, I messaged UJB on Sunday night watching the game and said, they are looking scary, and that first half performance was so dominant. It it kind of went back to the what was it, week one, week two, you know, that demolishing victory where defense plays such a really strong part. But I think the difference this time was that the offense played their part as well. They got everybody involved. There was kind of cohesion across the team yeah the offense played well yeah the defense played well yeah they did brilliant on special teams you know every kind of phase of the game they were the rams better and not just better but they were miles ahead and actually i thought on the face of it the rams didn't play badly you know if you look at it yeah there's a few like missed plays and you know, block punts or field, you know, that kind of stuff. But really, in the scheme of things, I thought they actually had a fairly decent game. Just the Cowboys were all over them. I, the one the one thing that kind of screamed out to me was, I don't know if you saw it, but that Micah Parsons sack, where he is pretty much left untouched, charges through the middle. And it's one of those um, that made me think of um, Geno Smith when he was up against the Rams this year and Aaron Donald comes running towards him and he says, Oh golly. It was like, I, I kind of thought Matt Stafford would be saying exactly the same thing, watching a full speed Micah Parsons charging towards him. But yeah, I mean, for all the, you know, I talked about it earlier in the year. I'm not convinced on the Cowboys and they've still got a lot to do and they're kind of papering over some of the cracks, but that game was much more like the sort of game I expect them to have with the talent that they have on that roster because, yeah, we know the defence is going to be swarming and brilliant. They just are. You know, they've got so many good pieces. And even without Trevon Diggs, they're still an incredibly good defensive unit. But the offence has kind of flattered to the seed this year. You know, they've not put up many points. The points that they put up have mainly been defensive points where they get pick sixes and they get pressure and they put them in good field position. But I thought this week was a real show of what Dak's capable of, what that offense is capable of, because it wasn't just 
Dak and CeeDee Lamb. You know, they've got other players involved and, you know, they've got strong wide receiver two, wide receiver threes, and they actually brought them into the game. Um, so, yeah, I just thought, I mean, it was a heck of a game, but the Cowboys, I thought, looked very, very ominous in in a week where some very good teams have looked less good. You know, I, I think if I watched, when I watched the games, I thought the 49ers, not good. The Eagles, even for large parts, not great. You know, they, they had to come back in the last half of the game, whereas the Cowboys were foot on the throat from minute one. You know, right to the end, they were they were strong. So, yeah, in a week where some teams were a bit more up and down, I thought they kind of started to show the sort of rhythm that they could get into. Yeah, I, w- I would second almost all of that. I, I know you said they got a lot of pieces involved on offense, and they did, but I did think C.D. Lamb had a, a special day. You know, you've talked about wide receivers who, you know, change games. I mean, he took that game away from from the Rams. The Rams had a bit of a slow start on offense, and to be honest, a bit like the Ravens, the way they performed the week before, you know, the Cowboys just took the game away from them. And and your point, I think, that you ended on there, Aldrin, is the right one. Are the Cowboys the best team in the NFL? No. But on their day, they can beat anybody. You know, that type of performance, they can stack up against anybody on their day. And if they come in and play well, they're a real threat. And I mean, even if they make, you know, the playoffs as a, you know, a wild card, I I don't expect them to maybe topple Philadelphia, but I also don't expect them to be caught by, well, not the Giants, but, but the Commanders either. So if they make the playoffs, I think you look at that and you think that team, I mean, even if they go on the road, you know, they have a good team across all three phases, but you nailed it. Earlier in the season, it was the defence putting them in dominant positions. This time it was the offence who took the game away from the opposition. And and if they can keep that up, you know, they're absolutely in the mix. Yeah, I think Aldrin's hit on one of my options for, I think, for game of the week as well. It was... It was, at, at times, it felt like an absolute domination from the Cowboys, like from all all aspects of, of play, offense, defense, special teams, the works. There were still like some issues in there. Like early on in the game, you could see the ease that that Rams defensive line was having, like especially Aaron Donald. And you, we could do this podcast for a hundred years and never... I think really talk enough about how good Aaron Donald is. Like he it's 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 one of those cases with him. And he looked like he was absolutely going through like paper offensive linemen to get to Dak early on. And then once the Cowboys got ahead, that all just seemed to to disappear a bit. I think the Rams uh, the question maybe of Rams at the moment is are the Rams a team that have it in them to come back? from like when when they start going down or are the rams a team that are built to like control the ball and pull ahead and not let the opposition back in i think that's going to be an interesting interesting question to see as we go especially with how interesting the nfc west is in general in terms of who's going to come out of that to go to the playoffs um i I think your statement about the cowboys is absolutely right are the cowboys a good team no not always. Can the Cowboys beat anybody who's put in front of them? Yes. And it feels weird because those feel like contradictory statements, but are both very true. 
Yeah. That they, are, I mean, after the weekend, I think the thing that changes for me now is I expect the Cowboys to be in the mix. You know, my expectation is come January football, I do expect the Cowboys to be there or thereabouts, particularly when you look at a number of the teams that are, I mean, up until this weekend, you know, if the season ended at the end of week seven, the Falcons would have been in, you know, and I start to look, as you've said, Aldrin, at some of these teams that are in and around those places. And I just think there are better teams who given a little bit more time or maybe getting healthy, um, you know, in a few key spots, we'll, we'll just have far too much. You know, if, if you were to say to me who wins a game out of the Falcons and the Cowboys, I think it's the Cowboys 99 times out of a hundred. Right. But yet, you know, records don't necessarily show that type of separation just yet. So a, a cracking game of the week, not where I, I, I thought you would go, but definitely worthy. I've been a real champion of the LA Rams, but I think they've got a bit of work to do. So, um, yeah, one down. JB, why don't you take us to your standout for week eight? So there are two directions that I feel I could go with this in terms of what I felt was the stronger narrative game which says more about the teams and kind of the, the NFL in general and, and draft picks and everything like that. And if that doesn't give you an indication of which game I could be talking about, I can't really help you. I am instead, however, I I, I don't know. Rob especially will probably have opinions on me circling back to what I called my game of the week last Thursday. Um, the Bengals wow. and the 49ers was fascinating because I talked, like we all talked before, about how this was a very, very interesting game that neither team could afford to lose. Both teams need to come out and, and show their best. This was a Bengals team that were like, are they on the way back versus a 49ers team? Where the, well, are they starting to slip? Has Brock Purdy been found out and all of that? And what we saw was, to my mind, it's not are the Bengals on the way back, it's the Bengals are back. Like yeah. full stop, end of discussion. That Joe Burrow, on a day when there were all all the requisite photo opportunities you'd want of of Joe Cool brackets, twenty twenties edition, chatting to Joe Cool brackets, nineteen eighties edition. That's Joe Montana. If for anybody who doesn't get that, um, he he Joe Burrow came out and absolutely looked like the the top quality class quarterback of the AFC on weekends when Patrick Mahomes didn't look particularly good. Justin Herbert looked better, but going up against that Bears team, it might be easy to do that. You know, Josh Allen had looked good on Thursday, but the Bills have been a bit like hit and miss. Joe Burrow looked absolutely in complete and total control. And once the Bengals started rolling, you could feel that the 49ers just did not have anything to to answer with at all and this was a team that's got like christian mccaffrey like brandon Ayuk was getting back in the mix george kittle looked really good but just the 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 inspiration and the motivation just didn't appear to be there and when you saw the the images of kyle shanahan on the sidelines he looked a little bit to me like someone who's didn't really know how to stop what was going on yeah, they look like a team that have lost confidence, don't they? And it, it's a bizarre thing, you know, where, you know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about the fact they should never have lost to the Browns. You know, the, yes, they had injuries in that game, but ultimately you need your field goal kicker to make a, a, a very makeable field goal and you, you know, you, you continue unbeaten. And now if we think in the last three weeks, they've, you know, ultimately added three losses to their record. I mean, this is a concern. 
And I do think it will only take one game for them to get right. I do think there are players coming back from injury, like Debo Samuel, for instance, that will that will make a difference. But, I mean, it, it does show something we have not seen, which is the 49ers have, having to really kind of overcome some adversity. And, yeah, I, I mean, we were just talking about the, the Cowboys, you know, and, and, and how good they looked. And it's bizarre to think the last win for the 49ers was, what, four weeks ago, where they absolutely took Dallas apart. You know, they absolutely looked like the class of the conference that night. So, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean about Kittle. I know what you mean about McCaffrey. Still looks great. But I don't know. There's so many things they need to improve. They need to get a little tighter on defense. And just, I don't know, they, they, they almost seem afraid of making mistakes. And for as much as I'm a huge Brock Purdy fan, there are a couple of poor interceptions. I'm, I'm not sure there really is any other kind a lot of the time, but, but there are a couple of poor interceptions, things he doesn't need to dwell on, things he needs to very quickly move past. Um, I still think they'll be there when we get to January, but I, I do think that this is definitely a dip that I, I didn't see three weeks ago. Yeah, it's weird though, isn't it? it? It either will be the sort of thing that wrecks their season if it continues, or it's a wonderful story on America's game. Um, yeah. It's it's got kind of got that feel about it because I don't know. I've started to know you. You've started to see in some of the press and stuff people getting on Brock Purdy's back and going, "Oh, we can't elevate the team, and he's making silly mistakes, and blah blah blah." And it's that sort of adversity that feels like it makes a good narrative on Americans' games sometimes. But mm. um, I don't know. It, it, uh, I say I don't know. That's a lie. I know full well. People have been quite happily riding Brock Purdy as the the kind of messiah and excellent player and this, that, and the other for what his first six games. And then he has two bad games and there's like the sky's falling and oh, he's not a very good quarterback and this, that, and the other. And it's, it, it always strikes me how fickle both fans and um, analysts can be because, you know, ultimately the guy's still only been a starter for what, eight games, nine games. Yeah. Is that it? He's going to have games like this, and games aren't always going to go their way. And and I know we we talk up Carl Shanahan, and we talk about what Purdy and all the offensive weapons. But look, good quarterbacks have bad games sometimes. And I, I think the thing at the minute for me is that it feels a bit like he had that bad game the week before, and then this week he was trying to force stuff. Yeah, you know, some of those silly mistakes, some of those interceptions was just him trying to force things. And I think he needs to. I don't think they need to panic. I think they just need to get on with doing what they're good at and yeah. stop. It feels, I don't know, it's like this anxious tension feels like it's around the building now that they've had a couple of bad games. And I just think they need to chill out, get back to being what you're good at, do all the things well. It'll be interesting to see now they've, you know, they've just traded for Chase Young mm. as if they needed more. Um, Fierce, well, dominant defenders rushing a quarterback. Now they've got another one. Um, yeah. So, yeah, interesting. I just think they just need to settle down is, is what I feel like. They've got good players. They've got a good coach. They're good on both sides of the ball. Just don't get in your own head so much. It's a bit like tennis. You know, mm. how many tennis games do you see that 
a player's cruising and then they go match point, they lose two match points and then they just collapse. And I, I kind of feel like just know what you're good at, know where you're at. Don't worry about all this outside noise and all of the other stuff. Just play your game and you'll be fine. And I, I, I think that's firmly where the 49ers will end up. The, the only bit that worries me, and, and I'm not going to reference what it said, but if I talk about the Dallas game and I talk about the George Kittle T-shirt, right, I think most people have, have seen it and aware of, you know, the shirt he had under his jersey after they beat the Cowboys. I just hope that that image isn't the New York Giants on a boat. You know, that whole thing where the Giants, you know, the Odell Beckham Giants, and you got them all on a boat, yeah. and then people reference this, you know, the Giants have only won five games since the picture on a boat, the Giants have only won six games since that, since that picture on a boat. You know, it just feels to me that T-shirt was just ill-judged and unnecessary. And it's the kind of thing that when you're rolling, it doesn't really matter. But then it's the kind of thing that when you're stumbling, people are going to talk about. And and I mean, that's probably, you know, true in professional sports of a, a myriad of things. Um, but yeah, I just hope that that doesn't end up being something that sticks around and ends up being the narrative because it could go a lot of ways. The, the only thing on the, off the back of your point, Aldrin, I'm surprised that Shanahan hasn't already sorted it, you know, because you're right. They just feel like a team that just need to get back into a bit of rhythm. And you think, well, what better head coach to help do that? than Kyle Shanahan really but um but yeah yeah I'm sure it'll all come round and coming all the way back to your point JB yeah do you remember when we wondered whether the Bengals would sort things out that that seems like a lifetime ago um but they found a great formula and the great formula if you want to sort yourself out and get yourself back into a rhythm is go and play the Cardinals you know go and play the Cardinals with a, a paper thin secondary that you can just absolutely flash passes through for all four quarters knowing that the Cardinals will only probably perform in the first two of them so yeah the Bengals definitely back I think they look one of the AFC's best um, and that's a nice segue into my game of the week um, we are going to talk Giants Jets we've got to but my game of the week is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs um, against the Denver Broncos and we were talking at the, well, most weeks it'll come up in some way, shape or form, but we were talking earlier in the season about a game between the Broncos and the Bears and how both of these teams needed to win because both of these teams needed to feel better after what were ultimately humbling losses. So the Broncos particularly had, obviously the the Dolphins just run roughshod over them, frankly. Um, but the great thing about the Broncos is how much they have improved probably since the second half of that Bears game and have managed to keep some level of that momentum going. And the first thing I want to talk about when I talk about their great performance beating the Kansas City Chiefs is just what they were able to do defensively. And it starts, I suppose, with Singleton at linebacker for me. And you guys have known me long enough to know a physical linebacker, somebody who absolutely gets around the field and sets a tone for a defense is just absolutely right up my street. You know, if you've got a great linebacker or sometimes even a great safety, uh, I, I absolutely love watching that kind of football. And Singleton at the um, Broncos, I think he's second or third in the league now for tackles, um, really mobile absolutely finds himself wherever the ball is, whether it's run or whether it's pass. 
And I think those linebackers performed really, really well on Sunday because we're not talking about how Travis Kelsey dominated a game. They absolutely held Kelsey and were able to hold the Chiefs on those important third downs when they're looking for him so, so often. Just say, there was a point on Sunday when yeah. when I, I said to you, was I, sorry, I asked you if Kelsey was out and I'd missed it. Yeah. Because I do not remember, and, and now bear in mind, obviously for 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 everyone as a reminder who listens to the pod, Rob and I generally on Sundays will watch Red Zone and oh, like watch the highlights and watch games and everything afterwards. But I do not remember watching him do anything at all, and that it like I think like you're saying, Rob, that has to be part of the part of the contributing factor for for what you're going to talk about with the Broncos. Um, I mean, as much as you've got Satan, who's who's played pretty well, you know, I don't think he's quite had the first couple of years I thought he might. I mean, I think probably Source Gardner has, has looked the better of the two of them. But I mean, I still think they're going to be players who are probably going to sit in the top five cornerbacks for the next 10 years or so. So on defense, you've got a team that, I mean, you wouldn't even say is bending but not breaking. Actually, they're just playing really physical football and it feels like they've found that formula. Um, that Peyton was looking to instill. But also, the other thing, and I, I'm I'm definitely going to focus on the Broncos more than the Chiefs. Let's focus on the team that's doing things right here. A few weeks ago, we were having a chat on our um, already mentioned and famed WhatsApp group, and we were talking about how bad the Broncos were. And my message said something to the effect of, you know, this could actually be an occasion where I think someone's end to a career could be so bad as to cost them their place in the Hall of Fame. You know, I really thought that Russell Wilson, who, as far as I was concerned, was a first ballot Hall of Famer all day long, you know, was ultimately seeing that slip away with how bad things had got in Denver. Now, let me read you his stats so far this season, four weeks since I sent that message. So currently, um, completion rate, 661 right, which is very solid. I mean, if you're in the 60s, there's no problem with that as an NFL quarterback. He's got 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. Now, he's been sacked 26 times, and I don't put all of those on the O-line. I put some of them, but I think he has been sacked too much. But a passer rating of 101.7 this season. If you are rolling through the midway of this season with more than a 100 passer rating... I don't think that's any type of disaster. And considering where he was in that kind of week three, week four kind of phase, I think that the turnaround he has had under immense pressure, because you've got a coach who isn't standing there and saying we're all behind Russ. You've got a coach who's absolutely coming out and being publicly scathing about this superstar quarterback they've got. You've got the fact that he built this reputation where he was the punchline of so many jokes, you know, because he's, you know, doing stretches and getting the team to join in and walk, walk, warm ups on the plane, all that kind of stuff. The turnaround for Denver and the turnaround for Russell Wilson has been. Stella. Um, the only point, the punctuation mark on this for me, is people talk about the two wide receivers in Denver and they talk about Cortland Sutton and they talk about good old Judge Judy, right? Jerry Judy. They are not one in the same. Cortland Sutton is a dominant brilliant wide receiver with phenomenal hands. Judy, who has spent the last few weeks telling everybody to watch tape, I just don't see it. I just do not see a guy who is winning enough of those matchups against the defenders he's finding himself up against. And I mean, again, the stats tell the story. Judy's got, what, one touchdown this season, I think? 
Um, whereas Cortland Sutton has got six. Sutton is absolutely somebody who they should be feeding more of the ball to and building game plans around. He looks great. Could the Broncos, I mean, could they turn it around? I, I'd love to see it. It'd be one of the stories of the season if they do. Um, but yeah, kudos to them for a great performance against the Chiefs. Goodness me. So, yes, this was the most complete Broncos performance that we have seen all season. Maybe the most complete Broncos performance we've seen in all of like Russell Wilson's time in Denver. It was it was an absolute success. Um, we'll talk about the Chiefs. I'll talk about my, my thoughts on the Chiefs. I think first because one of the again one of the comments I made to you on Sunday was the the Chief. It, it felt like an absolute Chiefs game this season. Of the Chiefs have won, uh, one was it six in a row? Now they're six and two now. Yeah, and they don't look good. They don't. Look, if you said they they held at one point the longest win streak in the NFL, and I think if you had shown people what happens in those games and said those that's the that's the you know the the streak team at the moment they wouldn't believe you because they they have not none of the imagination has been there for what they've done they haven't asserted their will on other teams like you have seen to have just all of the creativity just appears to be gone from this kansas city chiefs offense and the big question that i that i've got that i don't think enough people are, are talking about is what is going on with the dip in the Kansas City Chiefs offense and the departure of Eric the Enemy? Because that's the big difference. That's that's what's different this year to last year. Eric the Enemy is not there anymore. And now all of a sudden the Chiefs offense looks quite bad. How big of an impact is that going to have? How long is it going to take them to get that sorted? It could be as easy as simple as next week. It could be a deeper thing. But at the moment that kind of nailed on, you know, the Chiefs will be the AFC representative in the Super Bowl again, doesn't look as clear cut as it was before. Um, from a Broncos point of view, it, it was just a good, solid performance. Like Russell Wilson limited the mistakes and kind of the errors that he makes throughout the game. The teams looked well. I think your points about Jerry Judy are very accurate. And to go back to something you talked about earlier with uh, when we were talking about the Tennessee Titans and um, Will Levis. Yes, there was a touch of the Nick Foles of, I'm just going to look downfield and I'm just going to bomb it down as, as, as far as I can. But you're doing that to one of the best contested catch receivers playing in football today, maybe in the argument forever. If you throw DeAndre Hop if you throw the ball in the direction of DeAndre Hopkins, nine times out of ten, he comes away with that ball and it doesn't matter who's covering him. So that yes, there was a little bit of like, you know, wing it and hope, but it also felt very much like I I trust DeAndre will catch this ball and make this play. There were some times where you saw like Russell Wilson do that with Jerry Judy and just nothing really came of it. But then there was that incredible catch that Cortland Sutton made that just kind of looked and you think that is your wide receiver one. That is the guy to build your offense around. Throw him the ball more. Mm. The Denver Broncos are strange. 
definitely are. It, it, it's, it's funny because have you seen all the stuff? Like, I'm assuming you've read all the stuff about the, the flack that people are fleeing at Judge Judy. I can't not call him Judge Judy now. Um, but I, I do think, I mean, it's right. He's just an average receiver. I think he's perfectly all right. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's bad. I think he's just all right. I, I think he just kind of came in with a lot of expectation and mm, he's just, he is what he is. He's an all right player. Cortland Sutton, I think, is great in a terrible team. Um, but they are just a bit of a weird team because I can almost I can almost guarantee they'll put up three points next week and get absolutely hammered. It, it, they're just that sort of team. They... They are just not good. I, I don't. I don't care that they had a great week. I just don't think they're a good team. All, all in all, I just don't think they're a good team. I do agree with you, Rob. I think they, you know, he's they've done wonders, and Peyton's done wonders, and they've definitely come on. But I still don't think they're a good team. Um, I think they've still got a long way to go. Will he get them there? Maybe. You know, he's a good coach. He's got technically some good pieces there. I just don't see it. Um. They're not the Raiders. They're not the Giants. They're not the Bears. They're not the Cardinals. No, I agree. They're I think they've the got. They, they've I mean, got I, I mean, that doesn't make them a good team. That just means no, but it not puts the them in the middle. Yeah, and and oh, yeah, we yeah. had them. You know, I'm talking about three or four weeks ago. We declared oh, them yeah, the totally. worst team in yeah. football, and they're oh, now in the middle. You know, they're in there yeah. with the likes of the Titans, probably, and you know, the Colts. You know, they, no, they're not brilliant. But I mean, but, that is. I mean, they, holding. No, I think they've had one good week. They've had one good week. Like uh, uh, it's kind know. of like the 49ers. Let's let's not overblow it. They've had one good week. Yeah. <sighs> but then, did they have but, a good week the week before? Did did they play well the week before? Did we think, oh, they're a great team, they're a real middle of the road team that's better than the Panthers? No. No, but then how far do you want to go back? I mean, you've said you know oh, they've no, had, no, you've, but, you said they've had a good week. The 49ers have had a bad week. Well, the 49ers have had three bad weeks, and I'm still with yeah. you. They'll turn it around. But there yeah. has to be an element where you go. I agree. What do you want to judge them on. I mean, do you, do you want to go back to the Peyton Manning era and go, oh, they're a good team, the Bronco? You know, they played I I just, the Super I, I Bowl think, champs and they I looked they dominant really at the weekend. I think they had a really good week. I think the Chiefs had an off week. And I think... Oh, definitely Chiefs had an off the, week. The fact is that, unfortunately, as much as they might not want to, Taylor Swift's going to have to go to some average places. <laughs> She's going to have to go to Denver. She's going to have to travel. She's going to have to go to like places that she don't want to go. You know, she's just going to have to go because unfortunately, Travis don't turn up if you're not there, my love. And um, she (laughs) did you just call Taylor Swift, my love? I'm not sure the Swifties will really take to that. Um, I don't think the Swifties listen. If I'm honest, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure. I I think that the fact is that um, I mean that's that's not really a fact, but um, (laughs) that. They just weren't at it at the weekends. The the Chiefs, uh, uh, they were a bit off the boil. But I, I, I wouldn't just say that they were off the boil. I think Pat was off the boil, if anything. You know, I think Mahomes didn't have a good game. And so often, when the Chiefs don't have a good game, Mahomes is still that kind of shining light that pulls off some ridiculous plays and does some exceptional things. And I just think this week it kind of lacks that. Yeah, And then the... F- the flaws in that team were laid bare because if Pat doesn't have a good game in spite of the other players, then they really don't have a good game. And I think that kind of felt more like where it was at because um, ugly interceptions. 
I hate to say it, but ugly interceptions. Uh, well, like you said in from Purdy, uh, is there any other kind? But I, they weren't. Mm. You know, they were silly interceptions, particularly from somebody of his caliber. Yeah, but like you say, the Broncos were physical. They were in his face. They were there every single time, and they were. Um, they had a game. I think the the one thing to credit them really, and this is probably where you have a bit more faith in them going forward, is that they had a game plan. They stuck to it and they executed it, and that was exactly what you expect. And yeah, was it Russell Wilson's best game in Denver? Maybe. Yeah, I mean. Other, other than the fact he takes too many sacks and holds onto the ball too long, they're starting to get some better things from Wilson. But, yeah. you know, let, let's, like you said, let's not get too excited about them. Let's see. Well, they got the bye, haven't they? I think this weekend. Let's see where they go yeah. after that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Strange things have happened. and I'd love to watch it. It'd be a great story. Um, but if we're going to move from Patrick Mahomes being below par um, and not having a great passing day, let's end our recap talking about the worst NFL passing performance in history. Um, the New York Giants bought in, admittedly, third-string quarterback. Been talking about Brock Purdy enough on this this particular pod, haven't we? Bought in their third-string quarterback. Um, and the the most incredible thing for me threw a ball. It was like kind of a screen without a screen. So it was this odd kind of backward pass to his right side um, that went for a loss of about six or seven yards. And then having to make up some yardage, you know, long downs, proceeded to play exactly the same, play again and lose even more. I mean, do we think that it can get any worse for the Giants? Um than we witnessed on Sunday. And then does this mark the end of the Dayball era, I suppose, is the bigger question. If it does, I mean, the Dayball era is it's probably thin ice anyway, right? But where do we see the blue side of New York going from here? Wasn't Brian Dayball coach of the year last year? Yeah, it, it's going to be a fall from grace, isn't it? I, I mean, it is a fall from grace. He's I don't not going back be, to back, is he? I don't think it will be the end of the Dayball era necessarily this season. I think like coach of the year gives you at least a season, hopefully. Um, yes, it can absolutely get worse for the New York Giants. And I I am, I, I'm going to talk about this. I don't want to put this out like as, as like energy into the universe or anything like that, but... Daniel Jones, as part of like his injury and like the protocols and everything going, has been dealing with like weak, like left side weaknesses and all of that kind of stuff wasn't cleared. Then that happened, the game happened, and now all of a sudden Daniel Jones is cleared. And we, I mean, I won't say we, I didn't. This happened before I became a fan of the NFL. I did not see the Robert Griffin III that you, Aldrin, and you, Rob, got to see as a rookie for the uh, the Washington Commanders, as they are now. What I saw was the Robert Griffin III who came back from that injury far too quickly and was never able to produce in the same level ever again. Yeah, We have seen the Colts lose the quarterback of an absolute generation, one of the most nailed-on prospects for success in history because the O-line couldn't protect him and he just got tired of getting beaten up and injured. The New York Giants 
offensive line this uh, at, the, at the moment is one of the worst in football. They what was it? They were missing two starters. Was it Mark Sanchez on the call this week who helpfully told us that two two of the starters for the New York offensive line were out? Both teams are from New York. That's not narrowing it down like you think it is. But that offensive line is has got more holes than Swiss cheese. If Daniel Jones is legitimately not ready enough to be back, and we've already seen what the Browns have got going on with Deshaun Watson in terms of people coming back too early, it's potential that this is going to mess that team up, not just for this season, but for seasons going forward. Yes, losing Torod Taylor as your backup is bad, but you've got to look at the long-term picture here, lads. You've got to. Well, Tommy DeVito looked... I mean, it's a weird one, right? Because we talk about backup quarterbacks and we've talked a lot about the fact there's a different skill set. They need to be able to learn a system and they need to be able to play without a lot of practice and preparation. There's another weird thing here. The backup quarterback is really the only player on an NFL roster who doesn't play, right? Even like the defensive and the offensive backups, well, they have to go out on special teams, right? They have to throw themselves in the way of things and and make other things happen. Um, there was a great interview with, um, I think it was Dan Oloski, who said, you know, the, the backup quarterback can spend a whole season giving high fives. And you kind of think, look, I get that. I get there is not an awful lot of prep time, but I thought DeVito looked dreadful. The other thing I want to mention is there was all this talk about how long can the New York Jets stay in contention? I don't want to overreact. Oldjans already talked me back from that ledge with the Broncos, right? But at four and three, I think the New York Jets look arguably one of the poorest teams to have a record over 500 that I've seen in recent years. The fact they are four and three mystifies me based on what we saw at the weekend, which was horrible. I mean, Thibodeau was having an absolute field day in that backfield. And for a team that just kept giving the Jets the ball back to absolutely produce nothing really on offense up until that late drive, really two deep shots that that gave them the chance to take the game to overtime. I mean, unless Aaron Rodgers is back in three or four weeks from this injury, I mean, their season is over. I just think the Jets might be the last people to know it. I like that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's not probably that far from the mark. I mean, I think the Giants are an awful, awful, awful team just across the board. I think quarterback's a problem, even when they've got their franchise man on the field, let alone their third string rookie quarterback who, like you say, Rob, didn't seem to know where he was. No. Um, Horrible moment for the guy. But, I mean, that's, uh, like you say, I mean, backup quarterbacks have different skill sets i think rookie backup quarterbacks are a real disadvantage particularly when you're not a high draft pick and you've not got that experience and exposure to be thrust in in big blue is not an easy place to be particularly on i mean particularly on a a team that uh, a guy that's being paid 40 million dollars a year can't get anything out of so i don't know what that poor lad's expecting to um to come away with but there you go um the jets again are a weird I don't get it. Sometimes I look at them and I think they've got such good players on that offense. Yeah. You know, Brees Hall is ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that guy cannot be stopped. And it's really nice to see him back fit and healthy and firing this year again because he's 
a sensation. Um, Garrett Wilson's brilliant, but yeah. they're they're still hamstrung by the quarterback. And I, I will say this, and I've kind of said it over the last few weeks. I think Zach Wilson's come on over the last, you know, over the off season and into where he is now because I think last year he felt really petulant and annoyed and frustrated and blaming everyone else this year i think he kind of acknowledges where he's at he's taking the blame for the things that his fault and i think all credit to him for that kind of self-improvement i think he's had to learn it and he's got there a little bit and ultimately they're not a great team with him at the helm but equally if you're a quarterback you need a field goal and you've got 23 seconds left and you get the ball and you make that happen there's still something to be said for that because, I mean, it was a terrible game. Let's, I mean, let's not get it wrong. We're not going to be singing and dancing about yeah. how great a performance it was. But ultimately, you've got to, that amount of time, that field position, and to come away with a field goal and then go on to win the game, I thought was impressive nonetheless, because it's not easy. You know, whatever, whatever happens, and yeah, Zach Wilson's a backup now, but to orchestrate that, get a field goal and put your team in a position to win is equally as much as you ask of a backup quarterback. I think we hold Zach Wilson to a very high standard because he was a high draft pick. I mean, equally last year, I didn't think he was worth it. But, you know, he's a, he was a high draft pick. You come in with a lot of expectation. He's still putting them in positions to win. And maybe that's in spite of him a lot of the time. But equally, they're you know, they're still getting wins when they need some wins. And... We always knew that the defence was going to be able to put them in strong positions and Zach Wilson just kind of has to get out of the way of that and not be the guy that messes it up. And for all I think of him and all I think of them, over the last, you know, what, four, six weeks that he's been orchestrating things properly, they're still winning games. But yeah, I mean, I think they'll that will come crashing to a head at some point and they'll realise that they're not a very good team. But um, for the time being... It's a storyline to watch, isn't it? They should make a film of that game. Because one of the things about that game that's incredible Probably to me... long, like a short one. <laughs> no, I mean, the thing that's incredible to me about that is that game ended with both sets of fans leaving the stadium in disgust. Yeah, so you've got all the it. Jets fans leaving. And then the Jets incredibly came back and won it. And all the Giants fans got to leave utterly disgusted. And it's like, if ever anything summed up a game, it's that both sets of fans walked out of that stadium utterly disgusted with what they'd seen. Um, and the Jets fans didn't even stick around, or some of them, I should say, didn't even stick around to see who won. Um, right, remarkable stuff. Um, what a rap party we have just thrown for week eight. But it's all just window dressing, gentlemen, because when we're back together in two days' time, we have got the real deal, the party that, celebrates winners right and which teams we're going to be putting in club dub but before we get to our flagship show two pieces of aob and first it's aojb tell us who won the pickup at the pickup if only right the pickham contest this week for week eight over to you sir yeah that was that was one of the best and smoothest like transitions I think you have ever made on this podcast. I, I um, workshop these things. That's how I do it. Always so, striving for better. That's all you need to know. 
Well, as as you and I discussed on Sunday, we obviously need to start out by explaining to all of the listeners that this week's prediction contest was out of 15, because unfortunately, the guy that we leave in charge of updating the sheet for us left off the New York Giants and the New York Jets. What an idiot that is. Hopefully he doesn't make these kind of mistakes again. Um, So in... Uh, in those 15 games, we once again have an undisputed winner. Nice. Um, in third position, uh, unfortunately, it was me this week, um, maybe <sighs> taking the fall for leaving a leaving a game off uh, with a seven and eight record. Um, then two people in second who did much, much better was obviously Rob, yourself, <sighs> and Aldrin, yourself, who both finished on 10 and five, which means inexplicably for the third week in a row pb has taken not only the win this week but also now sits as the uh clubhouse leader for predictions over the season with four who is this guy who is this pb i don't know we'll come back to that on a future episode well done pb i'll get my second win i'm feeling good about week Nine. Yeah, I'm feeling good about week nine. So, yeah, remember you can follow us and keep up to date with all of this fascinating scoring on our various social channels. You can email us, of course, at clubdubpodcast.mail.com. But before we go, the final piece of excitement involves no Google all noodle, the toughest quiz question in all of podcasting. I said Green Bay Packer Don Hudson holds the record for the most points scored in a single quarter. He was, of course, a wide receiver and in 1945 scored how many points in a single quarter? JB, I'm going to come to you first. 24. 24, says JB. I'm just four touchdowns. I'm going to go higher. I'm going to go like 30. Purely because it's got to be something ridiculous. And I, my guess is that in that game, he's, he was playing, he was probably the kicker and the <laughs> cornerback and the handyman <laughs> and all sorts. So, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. You, it's like... you are absolutely right that as well <laughs> as being a wide receiver, he also kicked points in that quarter. There you go. That's right. Yeah, I you said like 30. Days, they just did everything, right? The record was 29. So, oh, yeah, including five extra good. points. Um, but, yeah, 29 in a single quarter for Don Hudson, um, the incredible I bet, superstar I bet wide receiver. did all receiver. of that while, like, smoking a cigarette or drinking a brandy. <laughs> like, oh, Neither of those things school. are good for you, kids. What's, you what is it? Eat, what do you want? What's, eat, eat, your, eat your greens, say your prayers, eat your vitamins. No, what is it? What's that Hulk Hogan thing? It's train, say your prayers, eat your vitamins. Or vitamins, as the, how that is actually pronounced. Right, yeah. 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 Oh, I'm vitamins, pop, them, pop them out the aluminum and uh, get them down you. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, and then, and then once once we're done with that, we'll obviously we'll go back to the, the football game being commented on by Iron Eagle. It's Ian. That's how that's pronounced. Oh. Sorry, I just decided I was oh. going to be really aggressive yeah. about that. I'm very off-paced. I like it. Yeah. I, I, I'm already seeing our... Um, uh, what do they call it when you create a um, like an offshoot like that rubbish they do after Strictly Come Dancing, like Strictly Come Dancing? It takes two. What's that called? Or like Big Brother's Little Spin-off. Brother? 
A spin-off. Yeah, we need a spin-off podcast. JB's NFL pronunciations. JB's commodity rants. I think not Bernard. All of these. Bernard. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh. lis- listening, listening, uh, listeners. Do you know what really grinds my gears? Yeah, but, I mean, this would be a great segment where James just grumbles about things that irritate him. Tune in for more. Oh, these kids with these eight track tapes. I remember in 1945, a guy that kicked and punted. <laughs> yeah, I'm it's strong. It. It's strong. I like it. Um, join us next week for JB's pronunciation podcast. And of course, in two days time for clubbed up. Um, happy to get back together and do it all again, gents. Happy. Again, I'd be man. delighted. Nice. Yeah. See you on the bounce trooper. Boing. Ta-ta. This is amazing. Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends. The game is over.